know I love music, but man, that was really good this morning. A lot of information in your bulletin. I want to make sure you read it carefully so you don't miss out on anything. We made a change this year. Going to talk about Christmas changes in a moment. And that was we're not this time of the year doing all of the highlights of what God has done in this past year. We're going to do that the second Sunday in January at this point, barring no 12 feet of snow. I'm okay with that as well. But uh, all of that's going to be shared. There is a ballot in your bulletin this morning based on our bylaws this year. We need to take a vote. We're going to do that in a second, give you the opportunity to fill that out. Members only, so if you're a member, if you're not, if you are a member, didn't get a bulletin, but you're a member, would love to vote, you raise your hand. These handsome gentlemen or ladies will come down and give you a bulletin or ballot so you can make sure you fill that out. We're going to collect them at the end of the service. Just going to ask you to fold it up, make sure that if you're a member, you check that so we know how to count it. Read the instructions very, very clearly so that you'll understand them completely. A lot of information, and I'll explain the ballot in a moment as you get them. A lot of information about what's going on here. Family experiences this morning, 10 minutes after the sermon is over. Family experience for kindergarten through fifth grade is in our Kid Stuff Theater. It's a great opportunity for you as a family to gather together and find out what God is doing in their lives and then share that during the month of December so that you can help them in that journey. Also for our high school young people, Life Conference is one of the greatest conferences I've ever been a part of. Been a part of it since 1980. There's only been a few before that. But it's an opportunity for thousands, literally five to six to 8,000 high schoolers to gather together in one location to give praise and glory to God, to change a city, and to be a part of something beyond themselves and beyond their youth group. Every year we have 30, 50, 60, 100 and some kids go from our church, some sponsors. It is, again, the highlight of a student's life in our student time together here at Community Alliance. So uh, you can go to the Facebook page or the Facebook page for our youth group and get all the information about that. I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed if you send your teenager to that. We've got Christmas Eve coming up. Services are at 4, 6, and 8. We've got tickets available in the back this morning. Read the ticket very carefully. It doesn't guarantee you a seat. What it does is help us say to you next Sunday or the Sunday after that, just so you know, the 4 o'clock service is already full, so you'll want to consider coming to the 6 or the 8. The reason I say that is if you come at 4.05 expecting a seat for 6, you won't have them. It will already be filled and running over. And uh, so we'd rather not you get upset with us. I'd rather you get set upset with somebody else. And, uh, and I can give you those names in a couple of weeks and uh, with the phone numbers and everything. But it really does help us. And some of, well, we don't collect them. What is the point? The point is it helps us plan and prepare so that we can accommodate everyone. God has blessed us in the last few weeks. We're just overwhelmed with that. We have well over 1,200 people coming on a regular Sunday morning between our two services. So if you can imagine, we'll have 2,000 that night trying to accommodate them all in three services. We want to do it well. Obviously, the one that will be least attended is eight. So if you can do that, that would be awesome. We do not want you to miss it. Dave and I have been putting it together. I can't wait for this time of year for the music, but I really can't wait for Christmas Eve. It's, if you know that, one of the highlights of the year, and we'd love to have you for that. So please help us out. We partner with a number of missionaries around the world. Joy, Joel and Evan Evans are one of those in Dakar Academy. And outside this door over here is a video that tells you what's going on around the world and our partner missionaries. And they just had a phenomenal experience in, in the Dakar area of West Senegal, a country that's 96% Muslim. And they have seen God do some miraculous, miracle, only God could do kinds of things. And they've got a story about that back there. If you want to take one of those, we'd be happy to do that. 
That ballot is self-explanatory, so if you look at it very carefully, fill it out, slate of officers, the elders are on the back, so you get an idea of what they bring to the table. God has just blessed us amazingly well in these last 10 or 15 years with some really solid men who understand the gifts of God that he has given them and how to use them for his glory and how to serve together as a unit. So please do that. The deacons, there's so many, uh, and that's a blessed thing, but we want to make sure that we uh, allow you the opportunity to vote for three of seven, so do that. Prove the ballot, which is just simply, uh, or the slate of officers there for the elders. Prove the budget, which is in there. There's no way that we could ever explain a 21-page budget to 1,000 people in any given context, but these men pour over it month after month after month after month. They know exactly where we are and what we're doing. So uh, that's why we're making that change and then moving our our, uh, time together of sharing to January so that we believe that helps us. So we're going to put that together, fold it once, not like that dollar you give when you go visit a church, but just fold it once and uh, put it in that box on the way out these doors here. We would appreciate that. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there is a lot that changes this time of year, isn't it? I mean, look around the room. For 11 months of the year, it looked one way, and then all of a sudden, things get added. Look at your house. For 10 or 11 months of the year, your house looks one way, and then all of a sudden, lights get added, trees get added, decorations get added. You don't have one of those houses that keep them up till June, do you? Oh, okay. So all of a sudden, after 10 or 11 months, with it looking one way, you have all of these additions that come to your house. You rearrange the furniture to accommodate a tree, right? How many of you rearrange your furniture to accommodate a tree? How many of you rearrange your furniture every three months, whether it needs it or not? I've never figured that one out. I sometimes go home and sit in the wrong chair or the wrong place or sit down on the floor because I thought it was there. All of a sudden, we change everything around this time of the year. Downtown in most communities changes. I don't know if you've been downtown Saxonburg. Now, again, downtown takes four minutes. But I'm telling you, it's one of the prettiest downtowns I've ever seen. When you walk through there, all of a sudden, after 10 or 11 months of it looking one way, you've got wreaths everywhere. The Saxonburg Hotel is beautiful. Lights on the poles and wreaths on the poles and all of the things that go with that. Music changes. How many of you have been listening to Christmas music now on your radio? All of a sudden at this time of the year, right at, you do wait till Thanksgiving, right? After Thanksgiving, you turn it to what? Wish and, and uh, what's the other one? 3WS? And then all the Christmas specials and the, of course, holiday movies <laughs> that a few people love and like. Seriously, you're getting this out. I had a lady at Dollar General the other day. I thought you'd be watching a Hallmark movie and crying. I don't do it all the time. (laughs) Christmas caroling. Uh, The other night, family night, we took all of the families Christmas caroling to three of the nursing homes. It is one of the most moving moments to me of the year. Especially when we go as families. And all these young children and the adults love it. They're singing with us. They're crying. They're weeping. Some of them hadn't had anyone visit them for a long period of time, I'm sure. They sang along with us. They wanted to take some of our children and keep them for a while, bring light and energy. I remember one year we took our small group there and we had a brand new baby and a lot of them have baby dolls with them to try to encourage them and comfort them in some way or the other. And some wanted to make a trade off for the baby doll for the baby. And, and actually one of the parents wanted to do that as well. But when you watch 
the singing, I'm telling you, it's one of the most, you, you talk about emotional. For me, to watch these people who haven't had someone visit them for a long period of time, singing along with us and having someone visit their home and all the kids, the kids took in cards to everybody that was there. At least at Sunnyview for us. It's amazing. We're used to change. A lot of things change. Cars change, clothes style changes, more changes or updates, media changes all the time. Most of us are used to change except for those constant updates on our phones. Anybody at all get irritated with that? Oh, thank you very much. It's one of those things that all of a sudden, I just got used to it. I'm 62 years old. I don't get used to things real easy. And all of a sudden, I just got used to its features, and it changes again and again and again. I got this this week. Someone sent me an email. Those I'm looking forward to this day. I'm looking forward to a day when Windows 12 comes out and wouldn't try to satisfy the needs of every person on the planet. It doesn't require a degree in nuclear physics to operate. It looks like Windows 7, except it's easier to use. I thought, I love that. I'm voting for that. Life is filled with changes, bylaw changes. You're voting on bylaw changes today. You're voting on change in leadership, voting on budget, and all the things that go with that. Christmas brings a lot of changes. All the main characters of the Christmas story are going to find out in the next few weeks that their lives are changed forever. Think of the changes for Mary and Joseph that we'll talk about next week. Two of the highlight characters. And no matter how many times I study them, how many times I explore them, how many times I look at their response to what God's asking them to do, and knowing in that moment their lives are going to be changed forever. And they still say yes. The shepherds and the wise men, stories have been shared for centuries. Can you imagine if that was today? Those guys would be on every single talk show in America. Every single talk show in America would have the three wise men. So how long did it take you to get there? Where did you actually come from? What did you really bring? What did you find when you got there? How hard was it? Did you really follow a star? Was it really a star? What did it look like? And the, and the shepherds, were you really out in the field watching your flocks by night? And was there really angels? What did they look like? They would have surveyed them and analyzed them. Then they would have brought in people who actually saw angels to analyze whether or not they saw angels. And The innkeeper would have made a fortune. You know, instead of a marker, George Washington slept here. The Son of God slept here. His life could have changed forever. Everything changed that night. But the one thing that didn't change, the one thing that didn't change with all the changes of Christmas is God's plan. It was a plan from the beginning of time, culminated and carried out in two of the greatest events in the history of Christianity. Christmas, God coming into this world, and Easter, the death and resurrection of Christ. With all the changes, there's one constant. One thing that doesn't change, hasn't changed, won't change, is the plan and promises of God. With all the changes that have taken place in just my generation and yours as well, with all the changes that take place in the lives of the people who are affected by that, the one thing that hasn't changed, won't change, will never change, is the plan and the promises of God. To really understand the power of the Christmas story, you've got to back up. We're so often looking at Matthew or Luke. To really understand the power of the Christmas story, you've got to back up way back and look at this whole book from Genesis to Revelation. You've got to start from the beginning and end at the end and recognize what happened in the middle and begin to fully comprehend and understand the power of this Christmas story. Genesis chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Some of the verses are going to be on the screen. Genesis is this incredible portrait of God's creation. 
I've often wondered what it was like. I've watched artists every once in a while. I'm fascinated by the fact that they take this blank canvas with a few oils or whatever it is they're using and they begin to put streaks on it and you wonder how's this ever going to make sense and then all of a sudden this incredible portrait unfolds in front of you those who do granite and architecture like that they often have said that I visualize what it's going to look like and then I chip away the excess and then all of a sudden this thing that you saw was nothing, a rock or a stone or a blank canvas is absolutely breathtaking. God begins to paint an amazing portrait. The sun, the stars, the mountains, the dry land, the animals and the plants and the trees over and over and over again. God begins to add the different pieces to this incredible portrait. And after every single day, God said, this is good. This is really good. Good. I've seen it for the last 62 years. God, this is breathtaking. I've I've been ridiculously blessed and had the opportunity to go around this world in a number of places. This is amazing. Absolutely, this is good. On the sixth day, he made man and then he made woman. And when he was done creating woman, Adam said, this is good. This is really good. All right, well, that's the Denny version of Genesis 2. Somebody else said the other version is when he was done with man saying, it's the only thing he said, this is not good. And obviously a lot of you ladies would say, I can do better than that and created women. And I, I, I get we all married up. Most of us in the room married way up. I couldn't even see how far up I married until after I married her. And God placed Adam and Eve in this incredible garden. And right in the middle of the beautiful garden, he planted two trees. The subtitle of today's message could be Three Trees. Now, I called it Christmas Changes, and I said on Phone Tree yesterday, the subtitle could be Three Trees. Right in the middle of this garden, God placed two trees. Genesis 2, verse 8. Now, the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put man that he had formed, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Two trees, tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. At that point, Adam and Eve only had one rule. Can you imagine a life with only one rule? As a parent, can you imagine having your children raised in an environment that they only had one rule? One rule, that's all they had. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to take care of it, to work it. The Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you'll surely die. One rule to follow. And what happened? They broke the rule. Know anything about the story? They broke the rule. Verse 6 of chapter 3. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, he took some of it. And ate it. He'd been lied to by the enemy. He starts by saying, is that really what God meant? Did he really think you would die? And once that doubt was created, and once the mind begins to work on that, is it really that bad? I'm only going to look a little. I'm only going to take one drink. I'm only going to talk to them for just a moment. And it cost them everything. She gave some to her husband, and he ate it with her. We refer to this part of the biblical story as the fall. Choice outside of God's law, God's plan, God's design, God's desire. And the results were catastrophic. 
Shame, blame, hiding from God, pain in childbirth, hard work, exile from the garden, and death. And the story of rebellion against God and the consequences of that have gone on for centuries. That's never God's intention or design. But he chose to make man with the opportunity to make his own moral choice. And choices, as I've said on a number of occasions, have consequences. And in this case, deadly consequences. No longer could they eat from the trees, especially the tree of life. God comes in back into this environment that he had visited them every day, calling them out in chapter 3, verse 9. Where are you? Finally, they answer, and God recognized what has taken place and asked them what they have done. And you almost see this incredible disappointment in the voice of God. What have you done? What have you done? Gave you so much. What have you done? And everyone begins to blame someone else. Of course, the man, which we always do, someone else, don't take responsibility. What me, God, is that woman you gave me. So you realize the audacity of not only blaming the woman, but he blames God. And the woman, of course, looking for someone else, said, well, it wasn't me, it was a serpent. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl in your belly. You wonder what he was like before that or what it looked like before that. You'll crawl in your belly And you eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll cross your head and you will strike his heel. Right in the middle of God telling them the consequences of their sin, he reveals the plan and makes a promise. It's so fast, so quick, in the middle of all of the things that are taking place, in the middle of all of this devastation, all of the results, all of what God is saying, right in the middle of that, God reveals to them the plan and the promise. And it's so fast, so quick, you could miss it. Verse 15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll crush your head and you'll strike his heel. The he is referred to in this context here is Jesus. God expelled them from the garden, placed an angelic guard in front of it. And from that point on, sin entered the world and every generation since. You know as well as I do, you don't have to teach your kids to be bad. They seem to know how to do that well. We spend all of our time trying to teach them how to do the right things. God made a promise. God had a plan. As time marched on, God began to reveal more and more of his plan to lost humanity. He said a redeemer is going to come. He's going to rescue them from the power of sin. He told Moses the Redeemer would be a prophet, mighty in word and deed. He told Jeremiah the Redeemer would execute justice and righteousness. He told Zechariah the Redeemer would be holy in all of his ways. He told Isaiah the Redeemer would be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace that we sang about this morning. He told Micah the Redeemer would be born in Bethlehem hundreds of years before it was going to take place. Hundreds of years before it would happen. He said it's going to take place in Bethlehem. He said he would sit on the throne of his father David and of his kingdom there would be no end. There's so much more to the story. Did you ever wonder what happened to the tree of life? I mean, you ever wonder if you could go back to the Middle East somewhere and try to find it? I mean, certainly Indiana Jones would have tried that. It reappears again in Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2 says that the angel showed me the river of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city of God, on each side of the river stood 
the tree of life. Bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. The portrait that God paints at the end of time in the book of Revelation is a portrait of a future day that God has reserved for all those who know him by name. Who have invited him into their lives. Who call him savior. Not just that I know there's a God out there somewhere. Or that God exists. Or I've always believed in God. But everyone has that promise in their lives to know that because of a relationship with Jesus... That I've confessed my sins, that I invited him into my life, that I've said yes to him. Because of that relationship, God made a promise. I've got a day for you that will blow your mind. And every time I do a funeral and I read these words out of Revelation 22, I get more and more, find myself being more and more excited about that day. Well, there's no more tears, no more pain, no more dying. The longer I'm in ministry and the more funerals that I do for friends and what I love about being in a church for a long period of time that God has blessed me with here is that the funerals that I'm now doing in most cases are for friends. I've been a part of their lives for the last 20 some years and I've watched their children grow up. I've been a part of their family. I've dedicated some of their children. I've dedicated their grandchildren and their family, your family. Whether you like that or not, you all go to family reunions and sometimes you, 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 you wonder how in the world did I get in this family. Every time I visit mine, every once in a while I think of that. And I'm sure they say that about me whenever I leave. That we're family. And when God paints this portrait in the book of Revelation, it's unbelievable. No more death, no more crying, no more dying, no more pain. Portrait that God paints at the end of time, future reserved for all believers. A promise for a day when this upside down world will be turned right side up. A portrait of an amazing future that God has prepared. So we've got this story. On one side of the story is a tree. On the other side of the story is a tree. You and I both know that in this unbelievable story, this tree of life in this middle of this garden and the tree in life that reappears again. Now, in this case, not just for two people that he said in the Garden of Eden, but for the healing of the nations. What amazing bookends to the story. A perfect garden on one end, an amazing portrait on the other end. But you and I both know that that's not where we live, is it? We find ourselves living between the trees in a really messed up world. In a world full of sin, tragedy, and pain. Mass shootings in Paris and Colorado Springs and this week in San Bernardino, California. Wars in the Middle East, genocide in Africa. People targeting police officers. The ones who are there to serve and protect. People are targeting them. Mistrust and lies. Politicians promising everything and delivering so little. Unemployment uncertainty. We live in a world that seems to be at times spinning out of control. But what we need to remember is that it's been that way for centuries. And it was that way 2,000 years ago when the God of the universe, the God of creation, saw us caught in the middle of this mess and stepped right in the middle of this mess in the form of a baby to come and rescue us and offer us life. That's why when I sing the great I am this morning and some of the other songs we sang, I'm overwhelmed that that God, that God that painted that portrait in Revelation, that God that painted that portrait in the Garden of Eden, that God came to this earth right in the middle of our mess. This is all we know, what we see, what we read, this instant technology and instant answers and instant news. This is all we know, so we think it's worse than it's ever been. 
But imagine in your mind for the last 2,000 years when life wasn't communicated so fast, we didn't have instant answers and instant media standing in front and giving us the answer before it even unfolded. For the last 2,000 years, this world has been spinning out in control. In the middle of that mess, the God of the universe, the God of creation, stepped right into it and offered us life. And not just life, but eternal life. And not to confuse you, he didn't only come to offer us eternal life, but in an which is incredible enough, but he came to fix up this life, to offer guidance and hope and all that we need. God made a promise in the garden. He said, I will establish a kingdom of which there will be no end. I will establish a kingdom of people that can stem the tide of evil and make this world better. He came to put a group of believers believers together called the church that would do everything possible to make this world a better place. Remember, after all, Jesus prayed, Thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. Not just someday, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A plan that couldn't be fully realized if, as if it weren't for another tree. A third tree. A tree that Jesus headed for his entire life on this planet. A tree that changed the course of history. A tree that would be the only way that you and I could ever get to the tree of life promised in the book of Revelation. It is the ultimate tree of life. It's the cross. Normally an instrument of death. But it was on that cross that the God of the universe, the God of creation, the God of this promise, that God came and dwelt among us. It was on that cross for that reason that that God came. It's that reason, that God, is why we celebrate this season. It was on that cross or a cross like that that Jesus died for the sins of all humanity. And because of that, he broke the cycle of sin and death and offered us the greatest gift of all. Guarantee you, no matter what you're going to get this Christmas season, no matter how well planned out it is, no matter how well fought it is, no matter how expensive it may be, no matter how secretive it may be, no matter how overwhelming your kids or your family or wife may be, I guarantee you, you will never even come close to matching that gift. The greatest gift of all, life. No longer death, but life and eternal life and guidance and direction from this life. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word came and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And to anyone who received Him, to those who believe in His name, we have the right to become the children of God. Thief comes to kill and destroy. I came that you could have life and have it absolutely to the full. Not just life. Not just I know I'm going to heaven. I know that because I accepted Jesus, I'm going to heaven when I die. Not just life, not just eternal life, but to the full. Man, I come to give you a life that will blow you away. I came to give you everything you can possibly imagine and then some. I've come to give you life. And you can have it to the full. That's what this Christmas season is all about. Much more than gifts and decorations, shopping and family gatherings. Those things, to be honest with you, are awesome. I love every one of them. But it's so much more than that. 
It's even more than a story of Mary and Joseph, wise men and shepherd. It's a story of God's love for lost humanity. It's a story of God himself stepping into our world, our mess, our tragedies, and offering his life. The baby born a major grew up, lived an extraordinary life, died a horrible death, rode victorious from the grave, holds out his nail-scarred hands, offers us the greatest gift of all. Forgiveness and grace and peace with God, guidance for life's decisions, relationships in the family of God, and a promise that if you come to him, confess our sins, and believe that he died on the cross, you and I can have an unbelievable life now and in the future. That's what this season is all about. We live between the trees. It's an incredible portrait of the beginning and this unbelievable portrait of what's reserved for us in the future. We're waiting for that day when it's all culminated and we'll see it really come to life. And in the middle of those two trees, the third tree, was the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the great I Am, gave His life so that we could have life. Man, if that doesn't fire you up to celebrate Christmas, I don't know whatever will. We have the opportunity as believers in Christ, as followers of Jesus, to share that story. That the world as messed up as it looks is the same when Jesus came in the middle of that mess and offered us answers, hope, healing, and a future. You and I have the chance during these next few weeks When people wonder what the season is all about or question us or why we talk about it, we have the answer to say, I know. I know what the season's all about. Got a minute? Love to tell you about three trees. Let's pray. Father, I don't know how to ever get over it. I hope I don't. All these years I've had the privilege and the chance to stand before people and the last 38 years that I love and adore and I've shared with them the greatest story of all. And year after year, it rolls around, the calendar unfolds and here we are at this point in December 2015. It's just hard to believe that since the late 70s I've been sharing the same story with church families. And it never, ever, ever grows old. We're going to tell it to our kids. We're going to share it with our grandchildren. We're going to read the Christmas story. And a night so long ago, in a manger in Bethlehem, the light of life came. They're going to look with wonder in their eyes and they're going to try to understand the concept of what you did and what you offer. And for those of us who are parents and grandparents having the opportunity to impact the next generation, may it just exude from us came to offer his life forgiveness and grace and love if you don't know that savior if you haven't personally understood what Jesus did for you on the cross I don't know that I could explain it much better but if you don't know it we'd love for you to receive it This could be the best Christmas you've ever had, not because of what you'll get or who's there, but because you knew for sure. I had somebody ask me this just two weeks ago. How do I know I know? How do I know for sure? It's that moment in time where you've confessed your sins, acknowledged that, 
recognize that the God of the universe came to offer you life and you received him as your savior. You made a decision to follow him from that point out. A whole lot more that goes with that after that initial decision to help you in that journey, but you know you know because you made that decision. If you've never, ever made that decision, would love to today. I'd love for you to raise your hand. Say, I, I don't know that I know for sure, but I want to know for sure, and I want it to be today. Christmas 2015. Anybody? Father, I thank you for your plan. Thank you for your promise that in all the changes we deal with day after day after day, we know that for sure. Hasn't changed, won't change, will never change. Plan, your promises are true. And so we are so delighted that we can be recipients of all of that. Continue to bless us as we serve you and follow you during these days together as we share this truth and share this life that you have offered us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If we could pray for you in any way, we'd be honored and delighted to do that. If you could take a moment before you leave and fill that out if you haven't done it already and make sure that you mark if you're a member and then just fold it once outside these doors only as a box if you could put that in. Family experience starts in 10 minutes. We'd love to see you. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to talk about the two central characters and talk about their life and add a third character, not Jesus that you may think of, but a third one. And all of them have remarkable stories to share, but some incredible lessons for us to learn that maybe we've explored before, but I really want to share them with you next Sunday. If I can pray for you in any way, love to do that. God bless you. Thank you so very much for coming today. Have a great, great day.